America's weekly motorcycle talk show. I got me a date with some of the motocrosses up around the way. Your source for weekly updates on what's happening in the world of motorcycle racing. You know how fast you're going? Industry news, trends, the people involved. I'm Ricky Carmichael. It's Kevin Schwartz. This is Josh Timoth. This is Kelly Smith. This is Travis Latroy. This is Jeremy McGrath. And now, Pit Pass Radio. All right, and a good two-wheeled Tuesday or Sunday if you're on our flagship 1460 KXNO. Welcome. Big thanks to all our listeners out there, and uh, welcome to Pit Pass Motor Racing Weekly. I'm Tony Wink. Alongside my co-host PJ Dorn, Jack and Leanne DeLeon are our producers. Tommy Boy Halverson and Ed Kulenkamp are also an intricate part to put this thing together. We appreciate everybody. Special in-studio guest for us today, Mark Good. He's the director, race director for Zero Prostate Cancer or Walk, if you prefer. It's a 5K to raise awareness for prostate cancer. It's, it's a nationwide organization, and we will be talking to him in just a moment we have an event coming up here very soon in the des moines area so we're we've invited him on to be on this program with us the uh, the vets motocrosses nations just wrapped up in farley castle england it's one of my favorite events i've participated in i went there in 2014 and it's no surprise that mike brown was invited and he wins everything while he's there unfortunately his team usa mustered only a second place overall however so the real some really good the british are uh, they, they know how to throw an event i'll tell you that they have a marching band they, there's it's super super cool and vintage stuff everybody in costume too from uh, the period yes most well a lot of of period correct gear uh i saw hot sauce was there ivan tedesco he was running full new looking fox stuff but yeah, there's there's a lot of that going on. Uh, Dubok had an off week he, weekend. He he d- did something in qualifying and screwed up his back or something. But uh, well, I'm going to invite those guys once they get back in the USA. I'm going to invite them to come on and talk about that event. That's an event that I've I've uh, s- expressed interest with with the promoter Dave King over there for the VMXDN, and I think I'm going to be there in 2020 if things go well. So that's that was this last weekend. So it's the weekend after Labor Day. If anybody's interested in, in attending that event, I'm telling you, it is super, super cool. It's not as expensive as you'd think. So uh, you can get, get a hold of me through the, uh, the Pit Pass radio website if you want to do that. And while Pro Motocross has been on idle in the U.S., it's been an interesting week in road racing. PJ, take us there, will you? Absolutely. We'll start with the World Superbike event in Portimao, Portugal. Race one saw Ray, Mr. Jonathan Ray over Chaz Davis and Michael Vandermark. Race two saw the return of Mr. Bautista um, with Ray in second and uh, the flying Turkish man, Razgat Lioglu. I think I said that right. Um Ray has got a pretty commanding, I think it's over, lead in the series after, as we all recall, it seems like just yesterday, Bautista had such a flying start on that Ducati. Um, But unfortunately for him and the rest of the field, Mr. Ray has reasserted his dominance. I think he's got 91 points on everybody right now or more. Then I will take us over to New Jersey Motorsports Park. Moto America just had a wonderful round uh, in the Superbike class. Race one saw Garrett Gerloff return to the top of the podium. The guy has been on fire over his teammate uh, Cam Bobier and Yamaha mounted JD Beach on the Estenson bike. Unfortunately, Mr. Gerloff had an off uh, after that race and was unable to compete. It was in the warm-up, I believe. He was unable to compete in race two. Um, Speedy recovery, Garrett. We hope you're able to make it back for Barber. Race two then saw Bobier over JD with uh, very fast uh, Matthew Skoltz coming in uh, third place. 
now with our series uh, coming to the final event at Barber. As mentioned, Tony Elias sits uh, on 333 points, holding a 16-point advantage over one Cambobier with 50 points on offer at the final event. It is going to come down to the wire, which is awesome. And in the Supersport class, equally exciting, uh, P.J. Jacobson pulls the double on the 600 uh, with Bobby Fong. Taking second in both races. We'll be talking to him later, and they fought all the way to the finish line in both of them. In race one, Sean Dillon Kelly came third. Race two, Hayden Gillum came third after a pretty massive crash that he had. Uh, that series, Fong holds a very narrow 10-point advantage going into the final uh, race of the season with Hayden Gillum another uh, 25 back from uh, P.J. Jacobson. So Gillum's 35 off of Fong. Uh, it's going to be a nail-biter at Barber. Uh, and our man, as mentioned, Drake Beecham, a uh, friend of the family of Pit Pass. He is currently sitting an unfortunate 21 points back from uh, Mr. Dumas, but that means it is possible. Anything's possible. Drake, keep your head up. He was there. He he, he had a lead for a time <laughs> there. Um, <laughs> what yeah, happened? Mr. Dumas has come on strong, uh, I think, four in a row on race wins. Uh, this weekend, Drake was best he could do was fourth in the in the race. So he's giving away a few more. You know, if you can't win, you want to be second. And he's giving away a few points. Nobody knows it better than Drake, and he's a fighter. He will come all the way back, I'm sure. Um, so look forward to the barber round. Really do, and I'm going to be down there. Imagine I'm going to have to go watch. All right, thank you, PJ. I was going to bring on our in studio guest, but I I see that we have a, a guest on hold for ten minutes now, Jack. So much for calling him late. Um, so I, I, on the show today, we're going to have Bobby Fong, Larry Pegram. Did you see Pegram in the fly track? Pegram. Dude, Brad the Jeraminski, world. Mike Witowski, and our next guest, who is currently third place in the pro class of the AMA American Hard Enduro, Nick Ferringer joins us. What's up, Nick? How are you? Doing well. How are you guys? We're, we're good. We did, I hope you didn't fall asleep. You got an energy drink sponsor to keep you going over there, or what's going on? No, I don't, uh, I don't do much of that. I've actually... Uh, rooting through sprockets. I'm uh, building up some wheels and bikes while I'm on hold, so no worries. <laughs> you got the headgear or is, what? That is awesome. Yeah, yeah, keeping it busy here. It's uh, When you're trying to race full-time and work, It's uh, you, you got to burn it at both ends, I guess. What do you do besides racing these motorcycles? I, uh, I'm i an engineer. Oh, yeah, we, uh, we talked about this. Yeah, yeah. So I actually work uh, for a family-owned company, Cycle Electric. Uh, I make electrical, uh, actually charging system components for uh, the V-twin segment. Yeah. Um, so a little different than the off-road racing uh, stuff I'm accustomed to, but uh, you know, it's a good place to build good parts. So not only are you better at motorcycling, dirt biking, whatever than I am, you're you're also not a dummy. So I'm a dummy, and I'm not that good at dirt biking. So it's it's kind of a bummer. No. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. But. Well, a lot of our listeners would. You, you would if you were any closer to us. You absolutely would. Or if you caught him anywhere uh, out in the open. <laughs> uh, how's the season been going for you, Nick? Uh, it's been an interesting one. Yeah, you mentioned I, I, we just wrapped up the American Hard Enduro Championship Series. I uh, finished a third, one point behind second uh, with Quinn Wenzel. And uh, it was an interesting season because it was the first for the American Heart Enduro Championship, and uh, it's a sport that's been just growing and kind of sprouting roots in the in the U.S. I mean, it's not a, a new sport by any means when you look at Europe, but uh, it's something that I'm really passionate about, and I'm super stoked to be able to 
race it and, and help influence the growth of the sport. So. So, yeah, so this was the first year for that, right, or was it the second year? This was the first year. We've had a number of, uh, I guess, events that fit into this genre or this category mm-hmm. that have uh, that, that have been around for a few years. But it's the first year we collected, you know, championship points from these rounds and and, uh, and kind of deemed a champion. Which ironically, the championship went to uh, South Africa's. Uh, 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 why am I having a, a brain fade moment here? Um, <laughs> um, Wade Young. Yeah, I mean, who could forget Wade Young? Um, super talented and, and makes the uh, American, uh, you know, aside from Cody Webb, he, he's he's on another level than the American. So, so you're you're a, the, it was a, was it a three round series or what was it? I can't remember. We had five rounds. Okay, um, if I remember correctly. We started off in Texas at the uh, Rev Limiter event, and then uh, there was quite a break until, and I may have this out of order. We did. The uh, Tough Like Roar event in Pennsylvania, which has been around for a few years. Um, the uh, Battle of the Goats race in North Carolina, which is a kind of a too well kept secret. It's, it's an awesome event. And then two uh, newer, smaller events, one in Ohio and one in uh, Kentucky, which was just two weeks ago to wrap up the series. So, my question to you, Nick, is when you're so we, we know the level of rider that you are, the, the, these events, you know, these extreme enduros or hard enduros, it attracts a certain kind of guy to go and do these and challenge and try to like, like the Tennessee knockout or, or any of these, it's these guys that are like, they really want to push themselves, but it also keeps a lot of people away. Like, I don't need none of that. You know what I mean? That you'll have that kind of guy that says, I don't need to be out there doing that because I know I'm not at that level. Can these events sustain? Can they, can they keep going based on, you know, it's, it's a, either you're really good like you or you're a nut job and you want to push yourself until you're you're half dead, right? So, do they get the numbers to to be able to to keep going like um, like uh, we hope they do? So, very interesting topic in question. Um, you've got me loaded with like three different trains of thought here. Um, yes, yes, and no. <laughs> um, the numbers are surprising. I went to a hard enduro in Idaho. Now, mind you, the chance to go race in Idaho is kind of a uh, just let's let's go check it out, right? They supposedly they at one point I recall them saying they had 500 entrants. Let's just say it was between 350 and 500 entrants, which for an event that has minimal uh, you know infrastructure, that it was overwhelming and phenomenal for them. Uh, some of the you know TKO brings in. A huge turnout. It's it's getting GNCC size big, um, at least National Enduro big, which, as we know, National Enduro sell out five, 600 riders around typically. Um, some of the, we'll say, the, the events are more in their infancy or the ones that aren't quite as well known. Uh, some of them struggle to get the numbers just over 100. Um, stuff like Roar in Pennsylvania, I think they had 250. I might be mistaken. I'm really not good with numbers. <laughs> um but you're exactly right. It's it's not for the average guy, the sane guy, uh, the guy that doesn't like to tear stuff up. Um, we don't know if it's sustainable, but we also are trying to develop the events in a in a manner where there there can be a guy that wants to just push himself and his and his bike and see how far he can get and and have a fair challenge and, and compete fairly with guys that are his peers, be it that there's an easier course for them or the, the event gets more more difficult as you progress. Say there's different knockout rounds or just how far on the course can you get? 
And for the guy that maybe isn't as good but has a hard time swallowing the fact he's not good enough to finish an event, it's going to bum that one out. <laughs> it's going to bum that person out. But uh, it's there's a lot of learning to happen um, when we're trying to form this uh, segment in the U.S., that's for sure. So the, to be clear, is that happening, Nick, that, I mean, you have, uh, I would presume, uh, you know, there are there's going to be a handful of guys who maybe aren't capable right out of the gate, and they probably even know that, but they want to give it a go. Is there a, is are there a fair number of those guys? I think is a, is another way to ask the question. Tony's already asked. Are there some new? Is there new blood arriving at these events? There are. Um, I've. Uh, I guess I haven't gotten to know those guys good enough, uh, you know, well enough when they show up. But uh, you know, at uh, at Battle of the Goats, North Carolina, it's a two lap race. Uh, the first lap took me two hours. It was about a 17-mile loop. And probably a mile and a half, two miles into my second lap, I was lapping people. And, uh, you know, they weren't at the hardest point of their lap yet. And sometimes I'll make comments to them, like, it's only uphill from here. <laughs> <They're> just, <laughs> really help them out. <laughs> really help them out. Well, you know, when you look at there's got to be something wrong with the guy like myself that's into doing hard enduros. There's that twisted there's something twisted with you when you see somebody else struggling and you know you're struggling. If you can make yourself seem stronger by just pushing a little harder, it, it just makes it go better for you knowing that you just push them down just by showing strength. Oh, that's and nice. Take, taking joy from the pain and suffering of others so is what up, I call that. And I often find myself in that position. So you, you put other people down to, to build yourself up. That's really good, Nick. We, it's, <laughs> it's, it's really nice. It's called hear. racing for a reason, buddy. <laughs> Called, it's called racing. It's called, it's, it's called smack talking during the race. It's really nice. It, I, uh, no, I, I'm not looking over my shoulder saying, you know, doing the happy Gilmore. Uh, <laughs> you stop. I'm not doing that. But, uh, you know, it's, it's an internal dialogue. I get to giggling when I see people struggle when I can, you know, it, it, it just, you got to build mental momentum. And I, I just, that particular race is one where you can do laps and see the guys that aren't, it might be their first race. I, one of these hard enduros in uh in the just last weekend in Kentucky, it was somebody's first race, and they were caught with their bike laid downhill against a tree, and they were stuck. And you know this this poor fellow, this is my first dirt bike race. I don't think this is for me. And uh, you may you know, be right. He has a cruel buddy. Whoever talked him into that probably is a bad person. You know, <laughs> and that, that's that is kind of a bummer because that guy's like, I'm never going to go racing again because he's going to think they're all like that. You know, and. I have a lot of motocross buddies that they want to go ride mo- go ride off road, or and they're decent motocrossers. So you, you got to torture them a little bit, right? And I do both. So they figure, well, I'm I'm, and you know what? I've found so many times you find these a riders in motocross, local a riders. You get them in the woods, they don't know what to do. They don't know how to ride a motorcycle. It's like they're like they went to, they're in the C class again, and it's uh, it's all. I guess it's all what you grew up doing, maybe. But yeah, it's interesting. Um, Nick, we uh, what what's next for you? What do you got? What's cooking? What's going on? Um, I um, I'm getting married in two and a half weeks, and uh, in a week and a half, I got the okay to go up to Canada and do the corduroy three day enduro. Which is uh, it's Canadian. Canada's uh, toughest enduro. It's not a hard enduro. It's a traditional enduro, but it's indeed supposed to be tough. And it kind of, I think, it caps off their national championship 
Um, so I've heard a lot about it over the years. I've always been invited, never been able to make it since, you know, I'm kind of winding down for the year. I was like, heck yeah, let's go. So, and uh, um, kudos to you and congratulations on the nuptials upcoming. Did she give you any stipulations like don't even come home if you break your leg or anything like that? Because that's a, uh, you're cutting it close to the wire. No, yeah, no, she's, she's pretty cool. I mean, she knows I'm going to do it and she supports it. So, uh, uh, She's just up in the air whether she's going to come support me or keep her keep her head in the game to keep things tight for the wedding. <laughs> Big wedding or what? What's that? Big wedding or what are you what are you thinking? We're we're keeping it pretty small. I think we've got like seventy people, which it's hard to limit it to just family and you know cut down friends. It's we just I don't I don't like to I don't like to be in the middle of stuff. You know, it's you can put on your game face at a race and get on a podium and say, okay, that was cool, but a wedding, I just wanted to keep it small. 70 so. doesn't sound small to me. It's, it's a good-sized wedding, well, and I, I had to go out of the country to keep it at about that number. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's easy to get. It goes big, big, quick. Yeah, so you said it's going to be in Mexico in Baja, and I'm like, you, I perfect. Think, I think you assumed we weren't going to go, but I'm like, hey, I love Baja. I'm going. So you like Baja, Nick? Awesome. I actually have never been there. Oh, I'm going in in a couple weeks. The riding is amazing. It is amazing. Two weeks from today, I'll be arriving in San Diego, and then we'll go. We'll cross the border on on Wednesday, a uh, week from tomorrow, and we go down. We'll go ride from Ensenada to Mike Sky Ranch down to San Catin. It's uh, up and down the beaches. It's good stuff. You 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 need to do it. It's really good. I go you know, a couple times a year at least. I've, I've always heard it was. You know, I associate it with like the Baja Five Hundred just like fast, wide open riding, but I've gotten to know some people that talk about how there is some hellacious, gnarly stuff, you know, if you know where to go, uh, talking to, uh, some friends and they're like Chili White who leads tours and stuff down through there. And yep, apparently it's a must do. <laughs> it's a must do. The bummer is just the, the, the owner of, of score now is really, really caters to trucks and he's and he's making it less and less motorcycle friendly, and it's wow. uh, the it's super rough. My buddy, they've got the four hundred going on down there now, and 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 everybody's pre running. My and a friend of mine just got back, who's going to be down there with us in a couple of weeks, and he said it's the roughest he's ever seen it. So, which you sound you you say, well, that sounds great. It, it, I like it rough, but it's uh, believe me, it's it when he says it's rough, it's rough. I mean, it's already whooped out, but now you've got big rocks in the middle of whoops and stuff. It's, it's uh, they're going to screw it up, and it'll it'll not be what it is right now. And it'll, I don't think it'll ever be as good as it is right now. So you should make it on, yeah. put it on your list to get down there sooner than later, Nick. I think. Yeah, I guess when you look at how things grow, and you look at the amount of money in four wheel sports, and you look at uh, you know, say guys that you know, GNCC used to be like what an enduro kind of used to be. And then it, you know, now GNCCs are, had gotten really fast and a lot of people fell out of love with them. And I hear they've been, you know, trying to make them tougher, but it just seems to be the, the trend. Stuff gets blown out and more popular and they dump more money into more expensive vehicles going around the track. And, um, and you know, come full circle, that's what's going to be tricky about hard enduro is keeping it hard and fresh. Sure. <laughs> Nick, I appreciate you taking the time with us, man. Good luck and congratulations. Yeah, thanks. Good talk to you guys. All right, we've got an in-studio guest, Mark Good, who is the race director of Zero 
It's the end of prostate cancer. You got a 5K coming up, and I'm and I'm going to give you an opportunity after we come back from break. But just give us a as we lead into to the uh, the commercial break. Talk about it just in brief. What you have going on on September 28th here in Des Moines? We have a 5K, either a 5K run walk. Um, we can have a one mile walk. We got the kids dash for dads. We're going to have all kinds of activities and fun stuff to do for that day. All right, It'll be awesome. Good. All right, so we're going to take a break. On the other side of it, we'll talk more about that with Mark. Stay tuned. This is Pit Pass. We'll be right back. Chris Ulrich, you're listening to Pit Pass Radio. Hey, everybody. It's Scott Casper from Pit Pass Radio. V-Rubber offers a whole range of performance motocross and off-road tires, starting with the VRM229 for hard-packed supercross settings and the VRM300. It's designed for intermediate soil conditions. The most popular tire is the VRM140. It's designed for soft to intermediate environments. All knob tires are available in the most popular motocross and off-road sizes as well. The VRM308R Trials is the perfect choice for real technical conditions, and it's now available in a new four-stroke model for racing or recreation riding big four-stroke. Strokes. The newest addition is the V-Line Do-All VRM340, a heavy-duty off-road tire that is DOT-approved. Most of the tires are available in the new slow-rebound tacky compound for extremely technical environments. It's V-Rubber and the tacky tires, the choice of Sherco off-road. Racers say when using a tacky, it's almost like cheating. It's V-Rubber. Hey, Moto fans, we do our best to keep you in touch with what we're doing through our website, iHeartRadio, Facebook, Twitter, and more. Well, now you can listen to Pit Pass Radio on your handheld device anytime with the all-new Pit Pass app for Android or iPhones. Go to your app store now and download the new app, Pit Pass, at no charge. Yes, we have an app for that. It's the all-new Pit Pass app. Get it today. America's Motor Racing Talk Show, Pit Pass Motor Racing Weekly, comes your way each Sunday morning from 8 to 10, right here on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. This is 1460 KXNO. If you're passionate about riding motorcycles, both off-road and on, check out the full line of Yamaha Dual Sports at Hicklin Power Sports. The Yamaha TW200 features Yamaha's famous reliability, electric start, an ultra-low seat, and comfortable fat tires, making it one of the industry's simplest to ride motorcycles. The Yamaha XT250 offers the same ultra-dependable, user-friendly performance, but in a more versatile, powerful, and lighter weight package. And for riders who like to take their fun off-road more than on, there's the high-performance enduro-derived Yamaha WR250R, featuring long-travel suspension and advanced high-end design. Whatever your budget or riding style, Yamaha has a dual-sport model that's right for you. For more, visit YamahaMotorsports.com today. Then visit Hicklin Power Sports and Grimes to see the new 2017 models from Yamaha, the first name in dual sports. Dress properly for your ride with a helmet, eye protection, long sleeves, long pants, gloves, and boots. Do not drink and ride. It's illegal and dangerous. Don't wait another minute for that new dream home you've always wanted. I'm Tony Wink for Jack Daly on Construction. For 66 years, the DeLeon family has been building custom homes, existing home remodeling, and adding on for customers across central Iowa. The DeLeons will offer you one-on-one attention that the big builders simply can't. They'll walk you through the process so you'll get the home that you want. Jack works well with your plans or can show you from his library of over 1,200 house plans. He'll make your dreams a reality. Call the DeLeons at 515-321-5225. Tell them you heard about them on Pit Pass Radio and receive 5% off the price. Jack DeLeon Construction, serving Iowa since 1946. Hey, this is Jeff Aaron, 10-time trials champion, Duro Cross Racer. You're listening to Pit Pass Radio. 
I want to give a big shout out to Wiseco Performance Products carrying a full line of forged pistons, precision forged clutch baskets, clutch hubs, crankshafts, forged connecting rods, valves, and more for just about any motorcycle, ATV, snowmobile, personal watercraft, outboard, marine, and automobile on the planet. For one name, one solution, visit Wiseco.com. So September is Prostate Cancer Awareness Month. I didn't know that till I got this uh, press release that I'm reading right now. And zero... The Zero Prostate Cancer Run Walk is returning to Des Moines for the fifth year in a row. It's coming up on September 28th. In studio with us to talk about it is the race director for the Des Moines area, Mark Good. Mark, welcome to Pit Pass. Thank you very much. Appreciate the introduction. I appreciate what you're doing for for uh, prostate cancer awareness. Can you talk to us first about Zero? And uh, I know that you, you, off air we were talking. You said there's there's uh, races and and walks all across the United States. Yeah, I'm still trying to get them to get one in Hawaii, and then I'm going to be the director there. <laughs> we'll see <laughs> how well good. that goes. But, uh, yeah, this weekend alone, there's uh, nine races going on uh, all across the country. Um, a lot of them on Saturday, but there's one on Sunday up in Syracuse, New York as well. Think so, you'll make that one? What's that? Think you'll make that uh, one? You never know. Yeah. <laughs> so we've, we've got uh, – and, you know, breast cancer – gets tons and i guess maybe it's fun to talk about boobs or something i don't know what it is but breast cancer seems to be the one that everybody talks about right and and you see the pink ribbons and i think it's great and i'm not i'm not downplaying i don't think that it shouldn't have the attention that it's gotten but prostate cancer doesn't maybe it's not as fun to talk about or or what but it doesn't seem to get the attention that that uh, breast cancer does um so prostate cancer is something that affects how many a lot it's of people a, well here, here's the thing is uh for men and for women the top killer in cancer is lung cancer either side next in each one breast cancer for women prostate cancer for men the numbers are exactly the same one in nine mm-hmm. for breast cancer one in nine for prostate cancer is a killer and so the 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 main thing or what i always hear is if you get tested and you get it diagnosed early you can beat it. Is that right? That is correct. Uh, the one thing with prostate cancer is it's simple to get tested. It's a, it's a blood test like any other. And, um, you know, you get your cholesterol checked. They do a blood test on it, right? Same tube. You don't have to even be stuck twice. So, uh, and then, of course, you do the rectal exam. They have to do that, too. But Yeah, see, that's uh, uh, yeah, that's the guy that guy's kind of, yeah, he's doing that happen. But, you know, you really have to have both. Um, you know, the, the PSA can be low. Uh, normal is about one, but it rises with age. Um, but it can go up a bit over with age. But you can have a low PSA, two to three, and still have prostate cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you catch it early, you're going to be at five years nearly 100% survival. It's 99.97% survival. If you don't catch it early and it gets out of the prostate, you're stage three, not stage four, but just stage three, that drops to 26%. So I, I I know PJ, you just turned the big five zero, and and I know you've been requesting the finger for many many years, and they yeah. finally will finally give it to- they finally caved in. <laughs> Something caved in. I, uh, dude, I've got a lot of anxiety about. Is I mean, it's two thousand and twenty almost. It's almost twenty twenty. Yeah. Is there not a better way than putting a finger in my butt? No, I don't I think mean, there is. I mean, why can't they do something? Don't they have some sort of imagery? They can take a picture, or something. 
Yeah, well, you talk to the insurance companies. Uh, they have imagery, and it's way better than it is now. But it doesn't tell them that that's cancerous either. The, yeah. the you know they have to do the, biopsies on material that are removed and things of that nature, right? What's what's that? Don't they do uh, biopsies on material that's removed? And well, yeah, that's that's after they suspect that there might be you know a high PSA, then they do the biopsies. Oh, that means they snip something up there. And, <clears throat> ooh, I, I've buddy. had four of those, four sets of those. I had one in. Uh, uh, north here in Fort Dodge. I had two at the Iowa City and then again here in Fort... Do they uh, put you to sleep for that? Uh, the first one, no, it's a local. The second one I did, uh, with, they did six the first one. That's just a general general one. Everybody gets at a base. Then they take 12 cores the next time. I was, just, I was awake for that one because oh. I had to drive home. Oh. It got tough at the 11th one. Uh, the next time that I had it done, they did 27 and I was out. Yeah. And then I had 18, and I was out for that one. So I'm assuming you had prostate cancer, or you did? Or Not you until the made... very end. So I had four sets before they found it. It took them two and a half years and four sets of biopsies, 63 total cores before they found my cancer. And, and I and kept you're, at and you're good it. I kept go going now. at it. What's that? You're good to go now? I'm good to go. I'm five and yeah. a half years clean. Yeah. Clean wow. and cancer-free. Wow. Sober-free. So, <laughs> so, uh, so. Talk about the event you got coming up. Uh, how do people get involved? How do they do they how do they do they register there? Do they have to do it online? What's the deal? Do you get a T-shirt? Do you get I see you got a cape and a yeah, there's all kinds of cool stuff. You know, um, we we have our hair event in Des Moines, but like I said, there's nine races across the U.S. Uh, this weekend alone. We have 48 uh, throughout the series of the whole um, up and through. I think it's uh, November, possibly even. Um, but they go to zerocancer.org. And right there, it's on the left side. Just click run, walk, and type in your zip code, and it's that easy to find a uh, race near your house. And how do, where does the money go? I mean, does it go for I mean, where, where, research, or what is it? Yeah, well, some of that goes to research. Uh, zero is, uh, gives back 84 cents to the, 85 cents of the dollar goes back to uh, the foundation, and that, which is the highest of any kind of charity like that that does that. Um, we... Uh, um, I, I go to D.C. every year to get more funding for that. You talk mm -hmm. about breast cancer, they get $130 million a year. Wow. Prostate cancer is $110 million. We're fighting for that. Um, so women have re really led the way on, on a lot of that with it, too. They do at my house, too. Yep. Yeah, <clears> and that's they, the way the paycheck goes. Interestingly enough, though, um, the money comes out of the Department of Defense and uh, the National Institutes of Health. But the money we're talking about oh, is out of the Department of Defense. It is not out of NIH with it. Yeah, it's discretionary funding, so they have to go back every year and decide whether or not they're going to fund those projects for each of us. Wow. Yep. So, okay, so September 28th, I know we have a guest on hold. Mike Witowski is going to be joining us. Um, September 28th is the event. It starts at 9 o'clock. Where do they go here in, in the Des Moines area for this? So ours, in Des Moines here, it's going to be a principal park. Starts at. Uh, they can register online. They can register the day of the packet pickup, which is Thursday. They can register the day of the race. They can do that. But uh, locally, and all the races are, are essentially similar, but we have um, a survivor's uh, tent where the survivors can go to. Guys can just mingle, eat coffees, and uh, eat uh, cookies, donuts, and drink coffee. Um, but we got a kids dash or dads. The kids dress up as their superheroes. That's cool. We have the Iowa League of Heroes that comes out. Uh, we got a dancing taco here in town. Uh, Fuzzy Tacos brings that out. So every, everyone has a little flavor to their own one. Um, our race starts. It's a 5K run, 5K walk, a one-mile walk. Um, and the kids will go on the, the walk with the parents. Um, but afterwards, we're going to have free beer. We're going to have free wine. I love free beer. Yeah, best kind. And, and we're going to have breakfast burritos. 
so breakfast. So you're going to drink beer with your breakfast burrito. I <clears throat> absolutely. Love it. That's right up my alley. Yeah, they gave up the yogurt for the good stuff. But uh, you know, we can't do this without our sponsors. And, and the biggest sponsor we have locally is the Iowa Clinic uh, to help sponsor that. And um, you know, every every dime counts for all of this. That goes back to help men um, find find a better way to get a better PSA, better imaging. Um, there's three new drugs that have come out uh, since that Zero has funded the research here uh, to get more medication for men and prostate, metastatic prostate cancer. But they're expensive is the problem. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Mark, thank you very much for what you're doing. Thanks for coming in and talking to us about it on the show. I appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. You know, we, we have a golf tournament too that guys get into, places do that. A lot of, a lot of places do top golf. Uh, that they have uh, games there in different towns. So there's a lot more to zero in different places that we do. We do a, another one here. It's kind of fun in the spring. We do uh, uh, bras, beers, and boxers. So we do it at a local brewery. We've done that for three years at the breast cancer group. So it kind of brings both groups together. So you actually fight the women? Yeah, sort of like that. Like but we got to say bras Perfect. first to get the guys in the in the deal, you know? All right. So get checked. That's that's the key. Don't be don't fear the finger. I get in and, yeah, it's, it's tough, but it, it, believe me, I've had I'm not several. There. I'm not old enough, so I have to worry about it yet. Yeah, well... <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah, that's All right. right. So it's uh, w- one more time, the website. Website is zerocancer.org, and just go to Run, Walk, and type in your zip code. That's the easiest way to find it no matter where you're at in the country. Okay, Mark, thank you very much. Thank you for your time. Appreciate uh-huh. it. All right. So uh, the GNCC Series, Grand National Cross Country, has been on hiatus for quite a while now, and there's a new addition to the schedule. It's in... It's called the Black Sky GNCC. It's at the Johnson Family Farm. And uh, it's about time we go back off-road and talk about it. So uh, on the show, we're going to have Mike Witowski, who's currently in second place in the XC2 250 Pro Class with eight top five finishes so far, including four podiums. And he looks to improve on his last year's uh, overall finish where he finished six. So we bring him on now. Mike Witowski, welcome to Pit Pass. How are you, buddy? Hey, I'm good. How are you? Good. Did I get all that right? Was that what your uh, your second with eight top five finishes? Is that right? Four podiums. Yeah, sounds about right. Well, congratulations. Solid yeah, year. You. It's been a been a good year for me, and um, yeah, looking to build the last four for sure. What have you been doing over the break? Um, honestly, just kind of hired a new trainer and just kind of got on the right track and try to fix up my mistakes and hopefully the last four um yeah work on those those flaws i had who's your trainer uh his name's coach rob he's uh i don't know if you know him or not rob bean um he used to train ryan ryan dungy before alden yep we've had rob on the show i've I've visited with rob um there's no hope for me he said so we didn't uh we didn't have to worry about that. But it was a short interview. <laughs> he, 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 truth. Um, yeah, of course we know Rob. He's uh, he's got a lot of street cred. I think it's uh, so. So when you have a trainer like this, Mike, uh, when when did you bring him on during the break? Um, so like right after um, our last GCC before break. Um, so that next week I brought him on, and then. So we've been working together for like the past two months now. So just uh, getting um, familiar with each other. And yeah, it's been good so far. So what was the last round? Was it Pennsylvania? Uh, yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, so uh, so you bring him on and can you talk about what 
what kind of stuff does he? I mean, because he's uh, you know, is he is he more like of the physical side, you know, like the training fitness side of it, or is it a rider coach too? What did he do with you? I'm just curious because you're an off road yeah. guy. He worked with motocrossers. That I didn't know he worked with off road guys. I only thought of him as a as a motocross trainer, but maybe it's all the same. Yeah, no, uh, he's been really good. He's a super smart guy, and uh, I learned quite a bit from him just just so far. And uh, yeah, so we got on board, and he um, did a bunch of like body analysis stuff just to learn my my um, my body and um, what it needs and all that stuff. And I just kind of went in with blind faith, and I think it's been good so far. And uh, lately, it's just been base training, I guess you could say, and just keeping the uh, the body up to par and not like overtraining. Um, I probably did that in the past. And I think with him, he's super smart and he'll look at my, uh, heart rate data on Garmin. And, uh, I think that helps a lot just from overtraining or just kind of saying like for this, uh, weekend, we have a good plan. And, um, yeah, I think it's all good. So we have Stu and Caleb and, and all those guys on, and we've talked about this, to the point where our listeners are probably bored. So I'm going to bring it up again. The uh, the heart rate that you guys run is like 200 or something insane for over three hours. And it's it's yeah. it's not physically possible to do that. But you guys... But are, everybody in there is doing it. But everybody's doing it. How do you address that? How do you... I don't even know how you get to your heart, to, to where your heart will go and be able to still push. I mean, it's got to be a tremendous amount of work. And maybe you're not there. I don't know what a what a, a second place XE two guy, you know, physical fitness is compared to those guys. But I know you're 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 in great. You're in fantastic shape to be where to be able to accomplish what you have this year. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I classify myself as um, up there with those XE one guys. I mean, I've uh, trained with Caleb and all them guys just cycle rides and stuff. And I know I'm on par with them. Um, but yeah, like at the last race, I did some heart race stuff. And I think my average was 185 and max 190 something. So for three hours. So, and it was hot that day. I think that's, I mean, that's pretty tough. I don't, don't matter who you are, how fit you are. Um, if you're in that heart rate zone, that's, it's hard. Yeah. That's insane. What's your body fat percentage? Do you know? Because it's like we talked, you know, it's it's extremely – and I asked because I had my body scanned yesterday just because I was curious. I'd lost some weight. And uh, it, uh, it – I'm just curious where – do you know where you're at? Not BMI, but like how much body fat you have? Um, I want to say 14%, but I'm not positive as of recent. That was about, I want to say, two months ago when we did our – calculations which is muscle and fitness magazine pretty much i mean yeah, it, it's that's, uh that's low 12 to 14 is is pretty awesome um yeah almost unheard of for but i guess as a as a professional athlete um what are you riding this year what do you what uh, anything different with your program um yeah so i'm doing all three series uh gncc national enduros and the sprint enduro series that we just finished up um like a week ago um, but yeah, just chasing all three of those on the beta, um, 250 RR at the, in GNCCs and then the 300 at the Enduros. So the 300 is a two stroke? 
Yeah, correct. And then same you ride with, a. Uh, same you, with the two fifty. Okay, so you're riding the two. Why would you ride the two fifty on one and not, or the three hundred on one and not the other? Just curious. Um. So I did some testing, and I actually like the three hundred for the the tighter enduro stuff. It kind of has a bottom, um, like good low end for that stuff. It's not as pipey, I guess you could say. Um, we kind of like to call it like the three stroke. You can lug it and ride it like a four stroke in a way, and uh, so it's good. And that's that's what everyone says about it, like it or lump it. The guys who don't like it say it's not pipey enough. It's not like my two fifty. And the guys who love it say it's not very pipey. It's you know that is pretty universally how that bike is described. In, I rode my three in all the very various brands of it. I've been motocrossing all summer, as you know, PJ, and on my four fifty, and I decided I wanted to ride off road, and I went. Uh, so there's this place in Iowa, Mike, that. Uh, they have a hill climb there, but it's an old quarry, and it's like a very physical track to ride, and it's it's really good. It's it's really fun. They could do a hard enduro there, I think, um, if okay. they like. And it's and it's our less than two hours from my house, so we went there Sunday and and uh, rode my three hundred, and it just amazes me how they lug those those bikes will just pull you up the hill when you think. Oh, I'm in the wrong gear or whatever. Just yeah, and I wouldn't and even traction's think, terrible. They're awesome when traction's bad. Wouldn't even think about it if I've been riding that bike all summer, but having coming off a 450, and I almost debated putting my 450 in the van before we left. And I, but I took the 300 because I figured I bought it. I'm going to ride it. It, it. They're they're an awesome motorcycle. They're and and I'm yeah. I, I'm on a different brand than you, but still the 300 is just it's just a neat bike. It just the way it pulls yeah. and, and you can still rev mine up. It's, it's good. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's a definitely a good bike for like the Enduros or, um, extreme Enduros or all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, I enjoy the, the beta a lot. I mean, they make a good 300. Have you done any of the e-bike series that's been going on with the GNCCs? Uh, I have not. I, I'll, I'll watch a lot of it. The main reason um, I haven't hopped in with them guys it's just because it's honestly pretty demanding <laughs> right before our race day. So I think it's on Saturday. Um, so you'd be about smoked before the race on Sunday. I rode, I went to Loretta's and raced this year in the plus 40 class and they have, and I have an e-bike and I was the only, I have a KTM e-bike and I was the only one there with a hardtail. I didn't know any different. And I showed up and Charlie kind of laughed at me, you know, Charlie Mullins. He's like, what is that thing? <laughs> and, you know, coming from a factory KTM guy, I was a little bummed to hear him say that. But yeah. uh, I rode that thing. Man, so much fun. And, yes, they work you. But uh, I think, do you have an e-bike? Yeah, I have a giant uh, trans. So do, what do you think of, what's your opinion on those? Do you think they're they're a good training source or do you think they're a crutch or both uh, i think i think they're awesome honestly i think uh like i know the the baker's dudes like use it for their heart rate zones to kind of keep in it um i mean i think it's good for us off-road guys as well like for the jeans well i mean you can do like two laps on that thing and you're not tired um you can see the whole track um that's kind of what i use it for mainly i don't really train on it but um yeah i think it's a great tool i don't see anything wrong with them honestly well speak for yourself on uh, being able to do two laps not being tired so (laughs) (laughs) back to that uh heart rate over 200 thing yeah so uh mike we are are uh i want to wish you luck 
in um, and we're going to skip the commercial break, Jack. When you get the uh, the next guest, we'll just bring him on. But I want to wish you luck at, at the balance of the uh, the season, and also obviously at Johnson Family Farm this coming weekend. What are your expectations coming into this thing? You got to be pretty stoked having uh, Rob in your corner and and having a, a summer off where you're coming back and you're lean and mean and, and ready to go. You got to be got to be pretty wound up for it. Yeah, I'm definitely stoked. Uh, I think uh, the last two months or so have been good with Rob and just kind of building. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking for, obviously, a podium. Um, if I don't get on the podium, I think I'd be pretty disappointed. Um, and then the main thing, just the last the last four races this day, um, I think the, the championship is obviously pretty far-fetched. Um, but I know we can stay in that second spot, and that's a, that's a career that would be a career best for myself and I think Beta as well. So um, I think that would be a good goal. And then go into next year um, with the con- the confidence and uh, we can do good things. Are you signed with Beta for next year or is that still up in the air? Uh, it's still up in the air. Um, there's definitely a deal on the table. So just trying to get out everything all worked out. Yeah. Good. Um, so what, what do we have for races left? We have, we have the, the, this weekend and then what is it? There are another three races after that. You got Mount Morris and then that one in West Virginia and then Crawfordsville. Yep. Correct. So it's pretty, pretty simple, I guess, uh, four races. What's your favorite round? Uh, I'd have to say Ironman. Um, that's kind of, I grew up like, I want to say three hours from there. Sure. Um, and it's just, I don't know, my whole family goes, and it's just a good race. I, I did well last year there, and, uh, I mean, a bunch of people go, so I think it's pretty popular on the circuit. Awesome. Mike, good luck, man. We appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, good, good being on. All right, we are going to go to our next guest. Uh, so down in Florida, we had a new, we had a new motocross race uh in the pro in the lucas oil series and it's ww ranch in jacksonville area and it's florida's number one ranked motocross track club 57 is brad jeremanski who is in an illinois guy if my memory serves me right i should know that because i think i saw him racing at some fair races back in the day but now he's his famous uh trainer guy and it's called Club 57. I know a lot of racers that come to my racetrack here in Iowa have been at Club 57, and uh, we had him on a while back. He's moved his his entire operation to WW Ranch, so it's a big deal for him. We had him on, and his phone crapped out, and I wanted to give him an upper, another opportunity to come on and talk about it, so we welcome Brad Jeraminski to the show. Hi, Brad. How are you? Hey, buddy. How are you? Good. How's everything down at WW Ranch? Oh, it's still uh it's still summer down here 95 96 and full sun so we're <laughs> it feels like summer never ended you missed the the hurricane missed you right or did you get some rains oh no we got uh we got about a 16th of an inch we got uh we got extremely lucky that that thing stayed offshore otherwise we would be singing a different tune today yeah ww ranch i didn't go to the the uh i didn't go to the race this year you know, I, I intend. I actually signed a lease today on a house down there for for uh, forty six nights. I'm going to be it's a pretty sweet house too. So I'm uh, pretty excited. I'm going to come down and and hang out with you boys. Tell me what we're up, what I'm up against, and what people, you know, motocross dads that are listening or or racers that want to join. 
tell us about Club 57 and, and what it's like now that your your amenities now that you're at WW Ranch. Well, it's uh, you know the the program <clears throat> the program hasn't changed much, uh, Tony. Obviously, we're you know we we focus on uh, small numbers, right? So you know a full size group for me, a full size program is twelve guys. So in those twelve guys, then I can handle uh, their fitness, I can handle their bike skills, I can handle motos. You know, I, I kind of oversee uh, the entire operation that way, you know, I know if they're getting enough rest, I know if they're sore, I know if they're tired. Uh, and it just allows me to kind of, uh, kind of give a, you know, a hands-on approach, uh, to the whole program. So with, with the, you know, with the amenities that I have available at WW, uh, you know, 700 plus acres and mountain bike trails and, you know, off-road loops and everything that we could possibly, need or want to keep the training fresh, you know, I have at my disposal. So, you know, that, that's the biggest thing. Uh, that's the biggest change I have is, uh, is just an endless amount of resources available to me. So before, did you move to different tracks here and there? You guys would go ride at Bernie's track, which is, uh, uh, what is this track called? Bostwick. Bostwick Creek. You'd go there. That's where I saw you guys. Would you be at other tracks too sometimes? Yeah, so what I what I originally did when I was uh, I was still living up north. You're you're correct. I'm from Northern Illinois, and I would travel I would travel south in the winters. <clears throat> I would travel south in the winters to kind of escape the escape the snow. And uh, when we first started coming down, we we leased out a facility right from Davy Millsaps, and uh, it was like his private uh, private place that he bought from Ezra Lusk, and it just kind of kept changing hands, so it fell into my lap. And, uh, and, and it was good, right? You know, and I enjoyed that Cairo, uh, Tallahassee area. It was just, it was pretty diluted. You know, there was the best train facilities in the world. Like you could hear Carmichael, uh, Carmichael's farm from the, you know, the close proximity. You could hear him riding from where I was training in Tallahassee. Mm-hmm. So, and the weathers were, the weather was a little tricky in the winter. So my wife and I decided let's keep going a little bit further south and, uh, see what, uh, see what's in Florida. And, you know, we just kind of uh, forest gumped our way into it uh, that we wound up, you know, <laughs> we wound accurate. up moving, right? I mean, we wound up moving full time to uh, to St. Augustine. You know, it's a beautiful area that, you know, the kids are happy, they're in school, and now it allowed me to kind of set up camp and utilize WW Ranch and, and really attract that international market uh, that is, you know, that's so... Uh, so desperately wants to come train here in the states, but it's got to be it's got to be turnkey. You know, they've got to have all the amenities that are, are that they don't have at home uh, to draw them here to the states. So uh, you figured you'd come this far, you should well keep going, right? Like right. forest. You're uh, so <laughs> outside of the 700 acres of mountain bike trails and motor. We know the motocross facilities. You know, second to none. Um, is there a shop? Is there, is there a gym? Is there, is all that there too? Or is it definitely so, you know, everything is, uh, everything is on site. When I keep saying everything, I'm using it in terms of the tools that I need, right? So all the RV and electric hookups, uh, I've got an indoor and an outdoor gym, you know, so when, when we get out of this, this, uh, you know, horrific, uh, heat, uh, we'll start transitioning the workouts to, you know, a, a shaded, uh, a shaded overhang where I've got another 2,000 square feet to do, you know, outdoor stretching and yoga and, and some things where we can get some fresh air in addition to the indoor gym and, and shop and office. So, you know, it, it, it really is, uh, it really is a, a motocross Mecca 
not to mention, you know, the close proximity to the beach and, you know, the airport's 20 miles away. So uh, it really is, uh, it really is, uh, you know, a, a tremendous opportunity that I had uh, kind of fall into my lap. Yeah, it sounds like it. And, and so the, the, the kids that you have coming and the one old man that's coming this fall <laughs> or this winter, the kids that you have, what, what level of rider are they? I mean, are they, they're not on 85s, are they? They're on big bikes. No. They're on, they're on big bikes, but you know, like I, like I, um, and I haven't, I haven't advertised my program yet. And, and the reason being is I'm, I'm, I'm taking more of an organic approach to, to marketing this thing. So I want, I want word of mouth. I want referrals. I want, you know, the guys that are there training with me to say, Hey, you know, I, I know so-and-so that would really like this program. Why don't we bring them down for a, for a test drive? And, and that's what we do. So anybody prior to accepting into the program, I'll, I'll have them. Uh, come down for a few days, a week, two weeks, whatever it may be. Uh, so then we can kind of uh, get get to know one another and make sure that we're, you know, my training philosophy and their skill set, work effort, work uh, work ethic, work ethic is uh, is all on the same level. So you know, the guys that I'm training don't aren't necessarily they have to meet a certain lap time, but you know, they're all young adults. You know, the the, the 16 through 24 year old, you know, hardworking guys. Um, and that's, and that's what I want. You know, I, I don't care what class they're riding, if it's B or A or, or transitioning out of C, as long as they're, as long as they're willing to, you know, to put forth effort to change, put forth effort into, uh, their nutrition and their sleep and their, uh, their bike skills. And once, uh, once we have that, uh, you know, once we kind of have that, you know, established then literally sky's the limit, you know, I, I have a, I have a philosophy, Tony, that, that talent, talent is coached, you know, talent is learned. You're not, you're not born with it, right? Like, um, it's something that, uh, that even Ken Roxon or Chad Reed or whoever, whoever, you know, is at the top of your motocross pedestal, you know, they started out as a beginner, right? They started out the first time on a dirt bike. So, you know, everybody has that, uh, that, that option or ability to, to continue to progress with the right, uh, with the right element. When I was a little kid, I was, you know, I was kind of a hot rod, little team green rider. And, and until we quit traveling, I, I was, you know, my folks split and then that was it when I, and I just became a local guy or whatever. But, and, but, it, but I, but I still never quit. I, I worked more, more of like it was my job, but it was more like it was all that mattered. It's all I did was study motocross train motocross you know i mean i starved myself when i was on 125s and started to get bigger framed when i was like in my late teens you know like i there was i worked so hard at it and i the thing that always irritated me was people would always say oh you're just naturally gifted you just you're the most natural rider and i just you know you're just so lucky i'm not gifted like you and i'm like no i didn't play little league i didn't you know i didn't stick with any school sport all i did was ride my motorcycle and that's and I would watch you know when the other kids were screwing around in the pits I was out watching videos or the pros I was out watching the a class and 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 studying them and asking them questions and and swarming them till the point where they were annoyed with me because asking them questions and you know what I mean and it's like so I I get what you're saying the talent is taught but it's it also it's it's got to be within the right nothing would be more frustrating and I used to do like riding coaches for the local kids when I was relevant, you know, when I was the local A rider. And and it was just 
a means to a paycheck is all it was. But it, you know, and and nothing would be more rewarding than a kid that would get it, and and nothing would be less rewarding than a kid that was there just because his parents brought him. And you, right, you and, know, and I, I'm glad you brought that up because you know I, I've been doing this now, shoot, you know, twenty plus years, right? And and there is no, there really is no set curriculum. To, to become a motocross trainer. You just one day say, you know, hey, I, I, I'm a motocross trainer. Not that I agree with that necessarily, but that's just the way the, in, the industry is, right? If you could, if you can ride a dirt bike fast, then everyone assumes that you can you can coach and you can train. And, and for some regards, that, that is true. But I learned more. I learned more from the classes that I screwed up <laughs> than I did the ones that I did well, meaning you know, the, the kids that, that didn't get what I was trying to convey and, and really didn't understand uh, the techniques that I was trying to, to you know, emulate to them. Uh, and, and those are the ones that I kind of sat back and said, okay, you know, where, where did I go wrong? What can I do better? So I, I'm, a, I'm a culmination of, of, <laughs> of mistakes, right? But that's what motocross is. It's learning from, from what you did wrong the previous race, the previous lap, and making adjustment and improving. Right. So I, I, I tell my guys, you know, all, all the time, don't, don't do this because I say, you know, do this because it works. And, and when we use things like today, for instance, Tony, we were doing, uh, we were doing corner entry speed drills. And, and when you come down, you're going to enjoy this. So when, when I talk to him, I say, okay, you know, what's our goal here, here we are. And then everyone's like, okay, I want to get faster. And I say, well, how much faster? You know, let's put a number on it. So I use a radar gun to determine how oh. fast they're actually entering the corner. So I can't wait. When, right. So <laughs> yeah. you look at it. Take guesswork out. Little Johnny, you're you're 22 miles an hour right now. What's it going to take for you to give me 24? And it's always, always, always less brakes. It's never done with the throttle. So when you start adding, you know, you start putting numbers next to a technique and next to uh, their ability, you know, it, it goes... It, it, it takes off like a rocket ship because they're not riding out of feeling. They're riding with data. Brad, I hate to cut you off again, but we're out of time. Uh, sure. In in five seconds, how can people uh, get a hold of Club 57? Club57MX.com or Instagram at Club57MX. All right. pretty Appreciate that. We're going to take a uh, time out, and then we have one more hour of pit pass. Stay tuned. There's more. We'll be right back. Hey everybody, it's Scott Casper from Pit Pass Radio. V-Rubber offers a whole range of performance motocross and off-road tires, starting with the VRM229 for hard pack supercross settings and the VRM300. It's designed for intermediate soil conditions. The most popular tire is the VRM140. It's designed for soft to intermediate environments. All knob tires are available in the most popular motocross and off-road sizes as well. The VRM308R Trials is the perfect choice for real technical conditions, and it's now available in a new four-stroke model for racing or recreation riding big four strokes the newest addition is the v-line do-all vrm 340 a heavy-duty off-road tire that is dot approved most of the tires are available in the new slow rebound tacky compound for extremely technical environments it's v rubber and the tacky tires the choice of sherco off-road racers say when using a tacky it's almost like cheating it's v rubber
Pass Radio, America's weekly motorcycle talk show. I got me a date with some of the motocrosses up around the way. Your source for weekly updates on what's happening in the world of motorcycle racing. You know how fast you're going? Industry news, trends, the people involved. I'm Ricky Carmichael. It's Kevin Schwartz. This is Josh Timoth. This is Kelly Smith. This is Travis Latron. This is Jeremy McGrath. And now, Pit Pass Radio. All right, welcome back to the show. I want to thank our hour number one guest, Nick Farringer, was on. Mike Witowski, Brad Jeraminski, and we had our in-studio guest, Mark Good who's the race director for Zero Prostate Cancer, which is coming up September 28th. It's actually a nationwide thing, so if you're not listening in our our uh, back backyard here in the Des Moines area, uh, there's there's look up Zero Prostate Cancer. There's a there's a ton of uh, zerocancer.org. There's there's a ton of 5Ks that they have nationwide. Not one in Hawaii yet, so there's no reason to go there, but um, there's one in New York, I know. There's plenty of reasons to go to Hawaii, sir. You know what? I think... When I can take my shirt off and not be embarrassed in public, I'm going to Oahu. You're going to have a lot of fun out there in the water. It's going to be good. All right. Uh, hour number two is upon us. Bobby Fong is going to join us, who is uh, currently leading the championship standings in the Super Sport in Moto America and um, the Worm. I text Ed and I said, get Larry on because he, uh, he is still amazingly fast. So he joins us now, Larry Pagram. What's up, Larry? How are Not you? Not much. How you guys doing? Good. You uh, you a flat tracker? Uh, I guess so. I was the other night, at least in the semi. Yeah. Talk about it. That's cool, dude. Yeah. That I, uh, you know, I've done a handful of those things this year. Actually, I think I've done eight or nine of them. I was supposed to be one, and then Indian got me a bike at the first race, and I talked David Lloyd from the Lloyd Brothers into helping me out in Daytona and John Cornwell, and you bet. started doing a couple of races, and it turned into doing a bunch of them, and we we've had some pretty good success. I think we've we've had a top five, a bunch of top tens, and started on the front row, and even led a couple races, uh, very short but uh, uh, lead. But we got out front, so it was cool. And then at the uh, the race Saturday night in Mechanicsburg, which I won that race twenty five years ago when I was there. Wow! Uh, I won. Yeah, I won the semi. Started on the uh, up front for the main, so it was cool. I got to beat Jared Meese, which made me happy because I could then give him, uh, I won't say a cuss word, but I could give him crap the rest of the night. And uh, and uh, <laughs> so it was cool because he's, he's uh, me and him like to give each other a good ration. Yeah, that's uh, awesome, Larry. You're, and kudos to you for being out there 25 years later. Who would have thought, I mean, uh, does it does it make you feel old? I mean, clearly you're you're still getting after it when you're winning semis. Because you are old. Well, I know I'm old. I turned 47 on the fifth of this month. <laughs> That's so, awesome, dude. But I, um, you know, I feel like physically I'm still in pretty good shape. You know, I'm not as I'm not able to train enough. If I could train enough, I'm just too busy working. If I could train enough, I would actually be in really good shape. I think I'd be a little bit better. But part of it is. I'm not mentally there, um, just because I'm not racing full time. That's not how I make my living. That's not all I think of. That's not what I, you know, I don't eat, breathe, and sleep it now, which I'd never thought in my life I would not. But I really enjoy myself when I get to go do these races. And I just, we started out to do it as fun, then we started getting a little better, so it got a little more serious. But you know, everybody at Indian, Gary Gray, and then SNS. Dean Young and and uh, Paul Langley from SNS helped us out. The guys at Zanotti Racing, Dave Zanotti and and uh, Michelle DeSalvo, who's actually Briar Bauman's mechanic. She's been helping us out. Jared Meese has been helping me and his mechanic Kenny Tolbert. I mean, everybody's been chipping in a little bit, and 
and especially David Lloyd and, and John Cornwell. So we've just been having a ball, and I think sometimes we surprise them guys a little bit, which is cool. You know, we like I said, we've won two semis this year, so we've we've started up front twice and showed them we got the speed, maybe just not the endurance with this old guy. <laughs> well, Larry, that's it is an amazing feat, and it just reminds me what you'd said uh, as far as you know you're enjoying it. It isn't how you're making your uh, your your dinner money for sure. There's a lot of racers, not only in flat track but in road racing, that we get to see. Uh, you know, I, I think it's a fortunate time for a guy like you, and uh, it sounds like you feel the same. You know, there's you have the ability to be out there competitively. Uh, we see it in road racing occasionally. Guys like Rap come to mind. Um, Jeff May. There's a few others, yourself included. If on the right day, Josh Hayes is still absolutely a fast guy there there's a number of guys who occasionally we get to see in it as a fan it makes the event all the better as far as i'm concerned is the a is the aft doing stuff with you uh you know to to highlight that kind of stuff or is it uh just you're another racer as far as they're concerned yeah i've been pretty much just another racer i um that race for sure at, at mechanicsburg or uh, i think it's called williams grove now it used to be mechanicsburg but it was pretty neat, to be honest with you. Um, the crowd was really enthused. They had a they had a, a basic sellout crowd. They had a huge crowd, and they, you know, I don't know if you've been to an AFT event, but there's not many dudes under forty at it. So no, there are not, and hero, I am there. For sure, there was a lot of people that were really excited. I actually won the semi and got a standing ovation from the crowd for the semi. So it was pretty neat because I could actually feel you know, that I was giving those guys something to really root for. So it was pretty neat. A lot of people came down in the pits and talked to me. So it was a really neat night. My dad went with us over there, and I know he really enjoyed it. And, uh, yeah, it was a neat night. I wish I could have done a little better in the main event. I got I got a, I got a killer start in the semi, and I got a terrible start in the main and got roughed up in the first corner and was pretty far back and ended up ninth. So it wasn't a great, complete great evening. But, you know, we showed we had some speed, and, and we were there. That 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 series, to be honest with you, too, is so competitive. I mean, I, I, I was ninth, and there was three guys behind me that won races this year. You know, I mean, it's really the racing, competitive series. There's no doubt that the race, and, I, and I'm glad we have a little time. And Jack, I'm, I'm before you call our next guest. I want to run along with. I may want to run along with Larry, just so you know. Let our next guest, if you would, uh, Bobby Fong, let him know we might run a little late with Larry because I have a lot to cover with you, Worm. Um, and here's an email that we got today, and it, it wasn't intended to. So I'm not going to say who it was from, but it wasn't intended to be read on the air. But I'm going to read just part of it. Um, hey, it's been a while since I sent an email. I still listen. Uh, I'm worried about Moto America series. Glad to see it on TV but I'm not sure attendance is up that much. Um, when I go, I see old guys like me or older, not enough young kids. I bring my college daughter to, to Barber, who, whom I used to bring when they were three to six at Road America, take care. And, and so that's, that's Moto America, different series, but this, the, it resonates through all motorcycle fans, I believe, with the exception of maybe Supercross, but I don't think those guys are participants in a lot of cases. I think they go to the the you know the the, the monster trucks too, yeah, or whatever. It's definitely it's definitely a dilemma right now, and I see it too. And we were talking about it Saturday night at the flat track. It's it's an aging crowd, and I don't know that it's not that we're not doing a. We're, it's not that we can't entertain a younger crowd. For some reason, they're just not interested in live entertainment. Almost, you know. I mean, these 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 devices and 
this world is changing and you know I, I think we all probably agree maybe not for the better in a lot of ways so i don't know how we enthuse this younger generation to live their life in a outdoors in the real world outdoors you know I mean? in like, the real world yeah gosh it's so amazing to me that these kids their real world is basically based in that phone it's not, that that's their reality and it's so hard to understand for people that are our age because we grew up differently but man i don't know how we get a younger generation interested in motorcycle racing of all kinds i mean i see all sports going that way you know i I think we we see it with nascar too their numbers are down with car racing i don't know that we see it worldwide but we definitely see it in the u.s i watched the moto america series at at new jersey and i you know i love those guys i mean that's that was my life and it kills me to see that stands at New Jersey. That we used to sell that place out. It was packed, and and yeah. even the World Superbike race. I watched the World Superbike race from Portimao, and I mean, they never do great at Portimao, but it was embarrassing for to to look in the stands at that race. You know, I mean, these are the best guys in the world on a superbike, and I don't know. I don't know what we do, but you know, obviously MotoGP is doing pretty well. But you got a guy like me in that series, as far as age is going. When he steps out, they may they may have a big problem there too. So I don't know what we do, but it's it's I don't know that it's specific to one series. I think it's motorcycle racing and really extreme sports like that with motorsports in general. And we we hear the same across all disciplines. It's uh, racers are are uh, it, sadly uh, it seems perhaps a, a dying breed. And I was going to ask you, Larry. I mean. AFT, if anything, I would say is is really a series that has energy right now, or so it seems from the outside. And most of the the racers we're talking to are are mirroring that, or or saying, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's on the upswing, and we've seen an absolute resurgence of road racers, as we all know. Not just yourself, a whole bunch of them this season who, when there's not a conflict and they have the ability, they're out there taking advantage of. Uh, the AFT series, yeah. and I assume that's and, because and that, it's that's a survival thing. You yeah. know what I mean? As much as it is, they everybody. I think everybody that rides dirt track loves it. It's so much fun, but it's a survival thing for those guys. They see that there's money now to be made racing flat track. There's factory rides out there. There's people getting paid to ride, and that's going away in the in the throw your hat in the ring. So yeah, they got they've got a. They, there's nothing better in life now that I'm older and I'm and I'm, I'm kind of working for a living. You know, uh, running a business. There's nothing better in life than being a professional motorcycle racer. <laughs> it is the greatest way to make a living there is in the world, and I did it for a long time. And 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 uh, boy, it's getting harder and harder to do that. Yeah, and I I think you're right. AFT is as given uh, pros with the the ability uh, another avenue, at least if not uh, to have a season long uh, paycheck, at least go out and make a make some race money. Which is worth doing, and again, to your point, put their hat in the ring. Yeah, it's yeah. not. Yeah, I think. It, Go ahead. It's not just motorcycle racing. It's not just NASCAR. It's outdoors. It's hunting. It's camping. It's fishing. They're all. All those segments are 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 down in with youth, and it's uh, you know when in two th- and it's something that you know if you have a dad that. And it could be a mom, but whatever. If you have parents that are really into outdoors and they're outdoorsy people, you've got a, a higher chance of having a kid that's outdoorsy, right? If that's how, yeah. you know, you got where I live, it's a lot of rednecks and they, 
they go hunting and fishing and whatever and and they end up being in their early 20s drinking bush light because that's what their parent you know and they <laughs> then they're just cooters and that's what they do and yeah. uh and whatever i don't you know i'm not judging i'm just saying that's the reality of if you but but the thing is is we have all the electronic stuff and it's a lot easier to hand your kid my phone than it is to to work with her on stuff and if you're exactly. and we're busy i think a lot of it is us being as parents we've become just as lazy as what we accuse our kids of yes we allowed that phone to entertain and educate them and we got to force them to get a little mad at us and go listen you're gonna go to the race with me this weekend yes they may just enjoy it you know my my parents take my daughters my daughters now are 14 and 10 my parents take them camping every year and they make them go with them and they used to love it and they go canoeing and they do all this stuff and when they take them they're not allowed to have their phones and they absolutely think the world is coming to an end but about the second day of this thing, they're having more fun than they've had in the whole year. So yeah, they, that's awesome. They won't admit it to you, but they really do. And I think as parents, we got to do it. I mean, our kids get really mad and tell us we're the worst parents in the world, but we've got to do something. We've got to force them to, to do activities maybe that they don't want to do. And then when they turn 18, if they still want to live without all that stuff, I guess we've instilled it. But I think we got we got to do that as parents. I, I think that's the only way to save this next generation or at least teach them hey you can do something other than that but i don't know i think i think we're all pretty worried we're probably like every other generation before us we said that these kids are so dumb they're never going to make it <laughs> yes this all rings true of uh, things i've heard my <laughs> grandfather and my father say for sure it's a different thing in in this generation but the sentiment's the same and life does carry on it's sad that uh if it's going to mean the the ultimate demise of What's clearly our passion here at Pit Pass, yours as well, lifetime of uh, passion in the sport, uh, Larry. You know, it's it it does bring bring a little tear to everyone's eye, but it, there's a lot of really bright people working on the solution. So let's talk more specifically about about Moto America Series. So I I, uh, I run a, an event in Davenport. It's a vintage half mile, vintage motorcycles, vintage racers too, in most cases. Um, and I, Larry, I worked with, and it's just, it's the Friday of Labor Day weekend. So it was just a week ago or, or a week and a half, whatever. And I, so I, I worked with, uh, Chris Carr. He came and raced the Boltacos, which you should be on a Boltaco next year. If you're interested, let me know. Cause it's fantastic racing and it's on a true half mile, big half mile. It's a fast half mile. Um, so, so, uh, Chris came and we talked about it and, and, and and it was important as important for him for me to have him look at the event and see what he where he thought I could improve the event as it was to watch him race and get beat by Davy Durrell, right? Right. So and and it was an awesome race, man. But it, it was so I, I was talking to him and I and I was talking to him the week after we we talked on the phone several times and and the marketing efforts that I I have available to me very easily money well spent on my motocross track is digital it's facebook instagram that sort of thing however um this davenport thing it's three hours from my house i don't necessarily have a lot of vintage flat track guys in my facebook i do some or in my instagram because them guys ain't on it that, that's not i mean some of them are but for the most part the fans and, and i don't have any problem getting the racers there because the race is 31 years old and the guys that are doing it, they love it, and they're coming back next year. The but the fans, you know, to get three thousand fans, it's it's a chore. It's a chore to get that done because 
You can't run digital, so you actually have to have a flyer in your hands, in these people's hands, and how do you do it? And nice I, glossy poster. Yeah, so it's a real challenge for me to figure out where I, and if I go to spend local radio, local TV over there, it it's not going to draw people because young people aren't interested in racing. Like, and I don't want to reinvent, I'm not trying to reinvent or, or or I'm just trying to keep my event alive and successful and profitable, right? So right. I see AFT has some of the same challenges. I see they do a lot, and I see it's on TV now. We can watch it on our on our device. It's uh, it's fantastic, and the racing, I believe, has never been better. I really think that there's – I don't know that the depth is, is there like it was 20 years ago, but it's certainly there. Are some They are just as good and for different reasons. The racers that are the, the Jared Mises and, and all those guys that are, that are, that are racing around there at the, in that series. Um, so the racing's fantastic. There's, there's no holes in the program, in my opinion, uh, from a fan standpoint, other than there's not enough butts in the seat. So AFT has, has come up with, with uh, you know Michael Locke and, and crew, they're working very hard to bring a different, younger demographic without pissing off all the old guys, right? Or at least that yeah. seems to be what they're trying to do. But in Larry Pagram, in your opinion, what is it that what's the magic? If there is one, what's the magic bullet for AFT to make that series bring it to the level? And then I want to talk about the sixteen rider program. That they the three different tiers that Michael Locke was on the show a week or two ago and talked about, but uh, w- what do you think AFT needs to do to 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 for that series to see the potential that it should see as good as it as the riders are and as well as the program is ran? You know, it's uh, I, I think you know we used to always think we knew. <laughs> I used to always say, well, if we could just get it on TV, because I used to think mild dirt track racing was the most exciting show you'd ever seen. If you watched that Springfield Mile last Sunday, I mean, would they have, you know, 70 lead changes in 25 laps with 10 guys? I think the top 10 guys came across the line within six tenths of a second. Well, Sunday was rained out. You either mean Saturday Monday, or Monday. Monday yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, I mean, but then I sat there and I said to myself, okay, it's been going on for this many years. It's made it on TV. Maybe it's just us. <laughs> Maybe we just like it more than we think every and everybody else should. So I don't know sometimes, but I do know for the livelihood of this thing to continue, we got to figure out some way to engage some younger people. And I have no idea how to do that. <clears throat> Excuse me. I have a 14-year-old daughter, and I think everybody that has a 14-year-old daughter would probably say the same thing. I have no idea how to engage a 14-year-old person on this planet right now. So I, I'm I'm at a loss. I know it's the greatest thing i have ever seen when i watch good racing but i don't know that it it translates right now to the people that are coming up i think you're i think we have a set of challenges there and it's um yeah um i don't know i wish i could tell you what i think but what i think is it's it's awesome why doesn't everybody want to watch it Yeah, I can't tell you that. I don't understand that. You know, I mean, when I'm sitting at home on a Saturday or Sunday, if I'm not doing something, all I'm doing is watching different kinds of racing on TV. That's all I do the whole day, each day, because that's what I want to watch. But uh, I don't know how how we translate that. I know um, 
I know guys like Wayne Rainey and, and, and those guys in Moto America are doing a great job. I know Michael Locke and his group, I think, are doing a great job. But I still don't know that I see, I don't, if, you know, if I was a betting man, I don't know if I'd put money on it. I just don't know. Growing up around Moto, so the commonality, the, the thing that I always think of when we have this discussion and usually right after it's over is, what I have in common with Tony and I think most motorcyclists, not every single one, but we grew up with motorcycles. My dad had motorcycles. I was riding them as a kid, you know, just even as a passenger before you had your first mini bike. You got to ride around on them. And I mean, I still ride motorcycles, but I don't have kids. Tony, you're riding motorcycles. Your daughter's going to get it. She's riding. She's got a little Stasic and she, yeah. uh, and, because of her mom, she's not as engaged in motorcycles as I am. Because when I say, hey, let's, it's, she looks at her mom and her mom doesn't want to go ride the 110 in around the yard or whatever. So then it turns into, we don't, you know, I do and they don't or whatever. And, and, um, yeah, I mean, and I, we've, we've addressed it and we're, you know, we're talking about making sure that it isn't about, being on a handheld device, whatever. But I also think the motorcycle industry, even though it's it's saving a lot of dealerships and manufacturers, it's create the segment that they created with side by sides has absolutely killed motorcycles because you can buy one side by side, put the whole family service in the it, whole family, service right. the whole family, go out and cruise into the desert or or on the trail or whatever, and that kid's in the back seat with their phone, insta paging or whatever <laughs> while they're in the back you're snapchatting so right. yep. and they're not engaged and they're not riding motorcycles and side by sides even though i own a couple of them suck because yeah. Yeah. They're, they're a tool as far as i'm concerned or something to not you know to help me not kill myself in the winter time when i can't go ride my motorcycle because i have one with a heater and a cat they're handy handy for plowing yeah you know well, what i mean so but, it's but when you look when you look at it guys i mean regardless of what we do 20 years from now do you honestly think there'll be motorcycles on the street? Yeah, I, the, the argument I, can easily be made. No, <laughs> there. I mean, there's a really good chance there won't. You won't be permitted to ride your motorcycle on the street twenty years from now. Probably ten years from now. I think. Uh, I bet you they go away. For, production would end first. I think, Larry. I get where you're going. I think production but ends the first. Autonomous cars. I mean, what's going to happen within the next ten to fifteen years? You won't be allowed to drive your car. It'll I, all be autonomous. And the people who have a Mustang, a 69 Mustang, are going to get in a wreck. And they're going to say, that guy killed somebody because he wasn't driving an anonymous car. And they're going to outlaw them. And then guess what's next? Mot motorcycles are right there. No, I'm 100% yeah. with you. I think once yeah. once autonomous takes over... Uh, what does that word even mean? The self-driving cars. You don't have to drive. You don't drive. Self-driving. And they've already got them. They're, they're, they're already out there. They're out there. My buddy, who's a, uh, a guy that used to own MDK Motorsports, Mark Kavami, who oh, yeah. had a Supercross team years ago, great guy, very uh, affluent venture capitalist guy. I mean, he says my ten-year-old daughter will probably never drive. That's how quick it's coming. And I, you know, he, he's kind of a tech tech venture guy, so he says that within ten years, nobody will be driving. Ah, come on. I think there's going to be a place for, uh, much like we see right now, the vintage. Ten years? It'll be vintage. You know, you'll have collectors. These, I, these vehicles are aren't get... going away. But you're, you're right, Larry. If the if the government steps in and says you can't drive them, that can't go worldwide, though. I mean, the, we're one of the few places in the world hold that up, has the up. roads for this. Hold up. So you're, people are not going to stop building houses. 
they're not going to stop. So you're going to need to get the excavator to dig the basement and the materials to there. So you're telling me that they're going all the all the semis that are all on the road. The, yeah. Oh they're, yeah. They're all going to be autonomous semis. Semis are, are going to be the first one that they force to do it. Nah, I don't Watch. think so, Larry. Well, I think you're full of beans, I didn't think brother. So either he thought he 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 showed me some other things and said you didn't think this was going to happen when we predicted this ten years ago and we invested in it. So that guy's smart. I have met him and he is yeah, extremely he's, way smarter than me. But, well, and, and what we see in our country right now is as soon as something they think is dangerous, they outlaw it. So when 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 they start having wrecks with these autonomous cars because people are driving and they they deem it the person's fault that's actually driving and not the autonomous car, they'll say, "Well, nobody's allowed to drive because you might kill somebody." So <laughs> yeah, it is know, the way the government tends to work. Yeah, yeah. You know. Wild. All right. Well, that was. Uh... I got the up the uplifting we end got, of the our... really <laughs> Yeah, we did. Talk about motorcycle. Let's race. go ride some wheelies and <laughs> flush that out of our system. Go do a couple burnouts all the way down uh, the road here, Tony. So, uh, so we're we're about a, we're actually six minutes past uh, Larry's allotted time, but I do want to ask you. You said you're you're working for a living. What's your business? Lawn care. Uh, uh, well, I am. I am. Uh, I own a company called Pure Ohio Wellness here in Ohio. We are the one of the 12 uh, medical marijuana cultivation facilities in the state of Ohio that got licenses. So I'm now a pot grower. <laughs> Cheers to you, sir. That's going to be the growth I would be industry. In my whole life. I never thought that would be a thing, but I'm actually a big advocate of it now, and not just because I own it. It's, it's definitely a great uh, a medicinal thing, and we could talk for hours about that. I won't get into it, but it's, it's, uh, it's opened my eyes to a lot of different things about the government, for instance. But we, we could we could talk for hours on that kind of stuff. So worms growing the dope, huh? <laughs> Cheers to you, sir. I'll we've got, we've got CBD sponsors in uh, in various forms of motorsport, so that's coming yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. I think you're going to see that CBD and 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 cannabis in everything in the future. You know, there's a lot of medicinal uh, properties to it, and uh, yeah. So I'm excited to be in the industry. It's it's a pretty neat industry. It's a very passionate group of people, which is similar to motorcycle racing. You know, they're they're passionate about what they do. They're not this. It's not a warehouse that you're. You know, it's not a Walmart warehouse where everybody's just doing their nine to five. It's a pretty neat industry too. And and uh, a lot of the uh, the passion kind of from my racing carries into that, and that's why we become pretty successful pretty quickly. Huh. Interesting. Well, so not lawn care. No, not lawn care. Not yet. Kind of. We're kind of grass. We're just not mowing it. <laughs> <laughs> how do you, right on. How do you harvest that? I mean, you just have a bunch of dudes in there clipping and and bagging it, and hopefully they don't put it in their pocket, or or maybe you, you let know, them. Yeah, it's pretty regulated in Ohio. It's not like California or Colorado or something like that. They only gave out twelve uh, licenses for it, and it's it's very regulated. And we have we have some automation with machines on the trimming, but we have a lot of people work for us. I've got over over fifty employees now, so wow. it's pretty neat. Wow, pretty cool, Larry. Yeah. What's next for you for racing? Uh, nothing for a little while. I'm gonna go. I, I'm gonna go do the Phillip Island Classic again. Cool. This winter, I'm done doing the. There's two more dirt tracks, but I'm not doing the last two. I told the wife I wouldn't do the mile races, so I've been doing some of the half miles and TTs and short tracks, and uh, and so I'm gonna do that Phillip Island Classic again, and uh, probably do some dirt tracks again next year if Michael Locke will let me. You know. Yeah. Phillip Island Classic. That is the road race one. Or is yeah, that it's a, it, they do that in January. It's a vintage weekend. He did it yep. last year. They, yeah, 
He yeah, did it last year. Really cool. You and Hayes and May, right? Yeah. Was it May? Yeah, and we got we got beat by the Australian team, so we're going back this year to kick their butts. Let's hear about that when it happens. Yeah, Jeff May got a little nicked up over there, didn't he? Yeah, he. Oh, no, it was um, or Young, uh, Jason Pridmore. Oh, it's Pridmore. Pridmore. That's it. it. Yeah, he got high sided and broke his leg, and it was really unfortunate because he was kind of our captain on that whole deal. He put the whole deal kind of together, and a guy named David Crusell, who who does a great job, and Kerry Andrews was over there. It was a bunch of old racers, but it was really cool. There was a bunch of champions there, and some cool. I mean, it was supposed to be vintage, but these were full works bikes. It was pretty cool. We were two seconds, I think, off the the uh, or three seconds off the super bike times from the year before. <laughs> Larry, we went we went ten minutes past, but I I didn't I didn't get to ask you about um, the sixty the program with you brought it up with Michael Locke. I, I, do, you, do you yes or no? I I do you do you agree we, with we that? We don't have enough time. We don't have enough time to talk about it. So you don't want to talk <laughs> about it? Okay. I'm going to give a no comment on it right now. And we'll see how it goes. Right. Fair enough. All right. It's All fun right. having you on, Larry. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Okay, that's Larry Pegram. We're going to take a break. I want to give a big shout-out to um, Racetech Sciences Suspension. For nearly 30 years, Racetech has been producing the highest-quality suspension components and tools, including gold valves for most types of motorcycles and ATVs. You can visit their website at Racetech.com. We'll be right back. This is Pit Pass. Hey, this is Jeremy McGrath, and you're listening to Pit Pass Moto Racing Weekly. Hey everybody, it's Scott Casper from Pit Pass Radio. V-Rubber offers a whole range of performance motocross and off-road tires, starting with the VRM229 for hard-packed supercross settings and the VRM300. It's designed for intermediate soil conditions. The most popular tire is the VRM140. It's designed for soft to intermediate environments. All knob tires are available in the most popular motocross and off-road sizes as well. The VRM308R Trials is the perfect choice for real technical conditions and it's now available in a new force model for racing or recreation riding big four strokes. The newest addition is the V-Line Do-All VRM340, a heavy-duty off-road tire that is DOT approved. Most of the tires are available in the new slow rebound tacky compound for extremely technical environments. It's V-Rubber and the tacky tires, the choice of Sherco off-road. Racers say when using a tacky, it's almost like cheating. It's V-Rubber. With no speed limits, no tickets, and no left-turning minivans, Track Addicts Track Days allows you to experience the performance of your sport bike in a safe and fun environment. Track Addicts Track Days offers a variety of programs, ranging from their new rider school to their advanced group sessions for experienced track riders. Get all the details at trackaddicts.com. That's trackaddix.com. Or call Ducati Omaha at 402-408-4400. Learn to ride your sport bike the way it was meant to be ridden with track addicts track days it's a fact the best you've ridden is the best you know until you've ridden racetech suspension you haven't experienced the best suspension possible racetech is the science of suspension for atv and utvs motocross freestyle and stunning off-road supermoto road race sport bikes cruisers touring and vintage bikes as well as adventure riding with gold valve kits to upgrade your stock forks and shocks and our g3s custom series shocks you too can have the Racetech suspension advantage, and it's all made in the USA. For more information about Racetech products and applications, visit our website at Racetech.com. America's Motor Racing Talk Show, Pit Pass Motor Racing Weekly, comes your way each Sunday morning from 8 to 10, right here on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. 
1460 KXNO. The Yamaha YZF R3 Sport Bike at Hicklin Power Sports and Grimes is the most exciting and affordable way ever to join the exclusive world of Yamaha R-Series Superbike Performance. It features a potent fuel-injected 321cc liquid-cooled parallel twin-engine for great acceleration, a slim, lightweight chassis for sporty, agile handling, a low seat height to get both your feet firmly on the ground for added confidence, plus legendary Yamaha Superbike styling guaranteed to turn heads, all at a super value. No wonder Cycle World calls it a bargain, and Revzilla hails it the new king of the hill when it comes to entry-level lightweight sport bikes. Visit Hicklin Power Sports and Grimes today to see the incredible Yamaha R3. And for more information, visit YamahaMotorsports.com. Dress properly for your ride with a helmet, eye protection, long sleeve shirt, long pants, gloves, and boots. Do not drink and ride. It's illegal and dangerous. Don't wait another minute for that new dream home you've always wanted. I'm Tony Wink for Jack Daly on Construction. For 66 years, the De Leon family has been building custom homes, existing home remodeling, and adding on for customers across central Iowa. The De Leons will offer you one-on-one attention that the big builders simply can't. They'll walk you through the process so you'll get the home that you want. Jack works well with your plans or can show you from his library of over 1,200 house plans. He'll make your dreams a reality. Call the De Leons at 515-321-5225. Tell them you heard about them on Pit Pass Radio and receive 5% off the price. Jack De Leon Construction, serving Iowa since 1946. Hey, uh, this is Roger DeCosta, team manager for Red Bull KTM, and uh, you guys uh, better listen listen to Pit Pass. That's right. Thank you, Roger. Welcome back to the second hour of Pit Pass. Pit Pass Moto is an evergreen podcast production. Evergreenpodcast.com hosts a diverse and dynamically curated blend of creative shows featuring a wide range of lifestyle and niche programming. Our network features a myriad of entertaining shows rooted in high creative values and production quality. That's Evergreen Podcast Productions. And uh, again, welcome back to the second hour. Our our next guest this hour, after we just got done speaking with uh, The Worm, Larry Pegram, Next up is uh, Moto America Superstar Racer, Mr. Bobby Fong of the M4 X-Star Suzuki team. How you doing, Bobby? Hey, guys. How are you? Good, buddy. Is uh, everything going okay over there? Yeah, yeah. Just uh, finishing up some dinner here and uh, got back from the gym not long ago trying to uh, get more recovered for uh, Barber here in a week and a half. Yeah, you had a rather nasty crash in race one at Pittsburgh. Any? Did you sustain any additional injuries, or, or and uh, how did you put that behind you to put in such a solid race in race two? Um, are we talking about Pittsburgh, or are we talking about um, New Jersey? I think it, he's talking about Jersey because Bobby did two. You went double double, right? You went second place in both races, right? Right down to the wire yeah, with yeah, yeah. Uh, with Mister Jacobson. My bad. No, yeah, so I, um, I, yeah, I, I crashed in qualifying on, like, the second lap right on my face. Didn't even, didn't even hit my body first. Just went straight to my face. Sweet. And, uh, That's the best kind of it crash. Was like, it was, new. It was like, a new tire new tire thing, and I just kind of went in too hard. Didn't really give the, t- the tires a chance to really break in. Just kind of going for it a little too early and uh, ended up ruining my qualifying side so of qualify on uh, the fourth row. And, um, you know, the injury didn't, uh, I didn't get re-injured in the crash because, uh, my, my head hit first, obviously, and, um, just did slid pretty gracefully, but, uh, I'm, uh, I'm not too happy with second place, but, uh, it's a lot better than going down for sure. Well, and it was, it was a battle all the way to the wire, at least in race two was race one, uh, refresh my memory that close. 
Yeah, it was honestly, it was just uh, it was the same thing in race two. It was. I mean, it could have gone either way. In, there was a lot more battling in race one just because there was a lot of us up front for a while. And, you know, it was, it was pretty exciting for the fans. And there was a lot of back and forth. And uh, the race two, the pace was pretty hot. And PJ definitely had a little pace on me just because it was his home track and had a uh, lack of track time and whatever excuse I could use. But uh, <laughs> fact of the matter, he had he had. He had a little pace on me, so I knew uh, I just wanted to stick on him for most of the race, and um, I was going to try to make my move in the last half. There were some spots where he was a lot faster than me, and some I was you know, almost running into him, so it was kind of like a cat-and-mouse deal. But uh, unfortunately, we ended up uh, second, and he uh, closed in on our uh, points lead. So going into Barber, it's definitely going to be a showdown, and uh, I'm ready for it, and it's got to be uh, stoic and, you know, go roll with the punches and try to win the thing. Well, you, so you got uh, PJ Jacobson, Hayden Gillum, and yourself fighting for the Supersport title. Do you do you have a plan going to that? Is it ride as hard as you can and see where the chips fall? Or do you do you, do you you ride to protect your, your points? What do you do? Yeah, at this point, PJ is so close, I just have to beat PJ. Obviously, keep it on two wheels and beat PJ. Um, and you know, it's kind of hard to have a plan as of right now. And the more I think about it, the more it obviously it's like, you know, it, it just puts more pressure on myself. The more I think about it, maybe you shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> now you've no, had a good... no, no, I'm not really, I'm not really thinking about it too much as of right now, as of a plan for the race. I'm not really thinking about that. I just need to go and treat it like a normal race weekend and go and do my thing and don't let the championship affect how I ride. So. I mean, that's the plan as of right now. And, um, yeah, I, I don't think there's no game plan. Because as of right, you never, you can't predict anything in the super sport class this year. You know, it, it's been so up and down. And there's been so many riders up front that can battle for, you know, the podium spots. So um, the new asphalt's going to definitely be, uh, hopefully, I, I have no idea. I've heard it, it's tearing up tires uh, pretty quickly that Moto America, as we're talking about, even shortening race distance for uh that weekend but uh i'm ready for whatever whatever happens though well tearing up tires means lots of grip and a smooth surface so i it's i can the only things i foresee happening is guys pushing too hard with all the available grip and then you end up with really spectacular crashes when you've really pushed it into a corner pretty hard uh, but i i'm looking forward to the the barber when it's smooth at least from riding is God, it's the best. Uh, I've I've had the fortune of being there when it was freshly paved, and Barber's a great place, even when it's you know worn out compared to most racetracks. So uh, I got yeah. You know, I didn't I didn't think it needed a new surface, but uh, I can't imagine how fast the times are going to be when uh, when we get there. You know, yeah, I, I would heard imagine. that uh, Dunlop. I heard that Dunlop was even going to probably, if it was necessary, make even a harder compound than what we have available right now in the two-week span that we have. Yeah, and there's some testing going on there right now, I think. And they've, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if they went with a harder compound because, yeah, you're right. I mean, a qualifying tire on a excessively grippy surface that's really smooth. Uh, yeah. I, I foresee crazy. track records happening, really. That's, that's kind of what I would expect. Oh, for sure. I mean, I you know, I was, I was thinking, you know, the pace would definitely be a consistently, a you know, a second a lot faster, you know, for sure. 
Um, but then again, who knows, you know, with, if they're bringing harder tires and all weather, that, who knows? And we always have weather. weather. Last year it rained at least one of the days, um, if not both. And But you ended up with dry racing Sunday, I know. Yeah, yeah. I think it was, honestly, we got pretty lucky. We We didn't. I don't remember it being wet last year. I was carrying I an umbrella. It rained early in the day, and okay. I think they pushed the program a little bit on Sunday just to shoot for a gap in the weather. Um, okay. We definitely had umbrellas Sunday. It definitely rained, but I don't know that any of the races would have been what you'd call a wet race. Okay, yeah. You, I don't think so. But, yeah, you never know there um, with the weather, too. So, And, well, if it's, you know, if it has a... Uh, freshly repaved you know it's i'm sure that uh, the wet weather riding will be uh not as bad as some of the tracks we go to i'm sure that would be some grip in the pavement yeah they've done a lot of work at barber as well on drainage uh the few few very few problem spots that they had you know down by the museum um there was i think back in the day turn 12 or 11 or 12 whatever you call it uh, before you go up and over the tunnel there was some runoff issues, and I think they've fixed all of that before this pave even. Wow. Yeah, and I, I'm definitely going to – I would definitely want it to be dry for sure, especially for the showdown. And, you know, it's, it, it's just more exciting, you know, a, a straight-up battle in the dry. Instead of wet, wet conditions bring out so many variables and – you know, you just never know what's going to happen. You can't control everything, which you can't anyway when you're racing, but like you say, the variables are, are – there's a lot of question marks when you have a wet race. Oh, for sure. And, you know, it's uh, it's going to be a good one for you guys. I'm sure we're going to – I'm sure it's going to be a barn burner. No no chance we're going to see you and uh, you and Mr. Uh, Jacobson go all Heron and uh, – Heron and uh, – oh, um, as like God, that was just one of my favorite years of all time. They both completely threw the title away just so they could have essentially a fist fight for all of us <laughs> for an entire weekend. Yeah. And it was it was awesome from a fan's perspective. I know having talked to both of them vaguely about it, uh no one brags about that uh uh weekend, but God it was fun to watch when it happened. No yeah, chance no chance of that. Race, it was went down in the last race in the wet, didn't it? And uh they were just standing each other up, and they completely gave away the title. Um, you know, that was awesome. Did they give it away to Martin? Was it a yeah. family battle? Yeah. No, they were they were the leaders of this of the championship going into the weekend, and they got into the world's greatest uh, pissing match, and they completely lost sight of what was happening. And really, I mean, they just went around the track standing each other up at every single corner, and Martin ran away with it. Brutal. It was Brutal. again from a fan's perspective one of the most fun things to see. There was just it was a lot of fun. Uh, again, I'm sure both of them wish they could take it back, and one of them could be holding that title uh, years later. But they've both gone on to great success. It was it was just interesting to watch. Well, you're definitely not going to see that from me. I'm definitely going to be. <laughs> you're going to keep I'm it a little more professional than that. Yeah, yeah. So I definitely don't want to throw it away for sure, and just, you know, being stupid, so, um, yeah, no, I'm definitely going to be, keep it a little more, uh, not trying to stand anybody up, I want to win the right way. And, uh, what, so what else have you been up to this year? Have you been out doing the flat tracking as well, if, at all? No, uh, no, man, I haven't actually, it's been, it's been quite of a, a mellow time, and, uh, 
you know, during between the races, just other than just kind of going to the gym and just dealing since Pittsburgh, just dealing with this dang injury of, of mine and my heel and uh, tib fib and my rib area and stuff and back. So I've been still dealing with that. I'm still on crutches, which is just a pain, especially during traveling, which is completely terrible. Um, I haven't really been riding too much dirt bikes just because, you know, I, I physically just can't. Um, but before Pittsburgh, I was, uh, hit the motocross tracks and waiting for my new, uh, 2020 Suzuki 250F to show up. Nice. Nice. Well, and it showed up right, probably right as your injury set in. Exactly. No, it really did. Yeah. Have you ever wondered why they don't put electric start on their motorcycles? I wonder why they haven't changed that motorcycle exactly like the 600, but, uh, you know, it, honestly, they produce such good motorcycles, you know, and, uh, and it, it says something where they don't change anything for so many years, but yet they're still competitive. So kudos to Suzuki for sure. Without, without doubt. Uh, I mean, at least in the, in the case of the GSXR, we can absolutely say fastest guy. I mean, you, clearly you're, you're at the front and we see the same around the world in all various series. Uh, the the bike isn't missing any steps. It does not seem. No, no, it's definitely you know it's uh, definitely an oldie but a goodie for sure. And uh, you know it's, it's still continuing to get better each weekend. Believe it or not. What about your your teammate uh, uh, Sean Dylan Kelly? Was he seventeen? Yeah, seventeen. He's coming. He's coming on strong. He's doing good, and uh, you know. Um, yeah, he's he's coming along pretty good, and then we have a we have a good you know there's good atmosphere under the tent, and you know we share some data, and no, it's it's going along pretty well with uh, Sean and myself. Yeah, he's uh, you guys work on and off the track pretty good. I mean, do you see him as a Moto America class champion in the future? Um, yeah, you never know. I mean, uh, you know, he has he definitely has the speed, so I, I don't know if he'll be there in the future. Who, who knows? I mean, I, I've seen a lot of fast young riders and uh you know i've seen some that just plateaued as well but it seems like he's learning and getting faster each weekend and uh you know our the vibe between us um on and off the track are good we we race close against each other but it, it's clean and you know off the track we're we're buddies and we share the lounge and no it's all it's all good as of right now you buy him cigarettes because he's not <laughs> old enough that kind of cool stuff or <laughs> Yeah, buying some chew. He just has a dip in all day. <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, I can. Yeah, I can get you. I can get you some, some pouches if yeah. you want, or whatever they're called. They're the skull skull bandits. Yeah. yeah, that's what it is. I can get you some bandits. He's sucking on his jewel all day. Yeah, his jewel. I'll go. I can. I can go cast a vote for you in the next election. I can. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, and you got a, You guys have a great team in that M4 team. Uh, Jake Lewis is on the on the big bike. I mean, you guys must be just having a ball out there. How much does uh, Chris Ulrich uh, is? I mean, is he a, a big part of your everyday? Clearly, I'm sure he is at the races. Yeah, you know, Chris is cool, man. I mean, I uh, I call him and give him crap every other day, and just honestly about random things. I just really want to wake. I wake up and find things to give him to give him crap about. You know, I literally just find things just to just to torment him. Yeah, but, that's uh, awesome. Other, <laughs> seriously, I, I I always I mess with him, and uh, no, it's it's pretty cool, man. It's uh, he's been awesome to work with, and him and John, honestly, it's been it's the atmosphere is so good. 
uh, underneath the, the tent and dealing with everybody. I, honestly, I can't complain. I'm not just saying that because I'm, uh, I'm live here, but it's, uh, the atmosphere is awesome. Our guest is Bobby Fong, and we're as we're nearing the end of the interview, I, I want to ask you, before switching to the Supersport class this year, you had a pretty good amount of experience racing the 1,000cc machines in the Superbike and Stock 1000 classes. Is mm-hmm. getting back, back on a big bike a goal of yours? Do you think do you feel your riding style suits one over the other, and, and how does that play uh, into your 2020 plans? You know, I could adapt to the 1,000 and the 600 fairly quick. You know, I could change my riding style. I've just, from riding so many different brands over the years, I'm, I'm pretty adaptable. I could change up a lot of things in my riding. Um, but honestly, it, it just depends on what I have for next year. And I'll, I'll ride 1,000, I'll ride a 600, and I'll ride a SB650. Um, it's whatever the team uh, wants me to do if I'm with them for it's whatever the team uh, wants me to do, and you know I can't claim R- racing motorcycles is uh, still a dream come true. And yeah, I, honestly, as long as I'm still riding a motorcycle, I'm up for whatever. That's killer. And you got you've been in the series a long time, Bobby. I mean, I would dare say uh, you're. I think I'm so old, man. I wouldn't I say I'm... you're old, but you're a veteran of the sport, a veteran of the series. Yeah. I mean, going back to your early years it was you versus your teammate jake right east west ama in the early days yeah, yeah, of the no. super sport yeah i never really uh, yeah i raced with jake a few times but i was yeah i was even there before jake yeah you were um, a little before yeah not a little probably a couple years and i was country yeah. when country yeah. wasn't cool <laughs> yeah good luck bobby uh, Thanks, guys. I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about pizza, but I think we can we can save that for the next one when Scott's here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. Boys. Anybody you want to thank before we cut you loose? Uh, not just everybody uh, everybody that's been behind me, obviously, uh, M4S, Suzuki, my coach, Josh Hayes, and uh, everybody that just had my back you know, throughout the whole season. All right, Bobby Thanks, Fong. We, uh, we will send him into the, uh, the twilight. As we're going to take a commercial break. When we come back, we're going to wrap up hour number two. This is Pit Pass. Stay tuned. Hey, it's Chad Reed with Monster Energy Yamaha 360 Fly Chaparral Motorsports. With the tremendous amount of horsepower and torque created by modern dirt bikes, today's racewear must withstand tremendous forces. It must breathe well, be lightweight and protective, yet still durable. Fly Racing created its Evolution 2.0 racewear to fulfill these requirements. Evolution 2.0 features the industry's first BOA Closure System race pant designed to provide custom comfort, smooth, even closure, no pressure points, and simple one-handed adjustment. Add to that the Evolution 2.0 Pro advanced ventilation jersey and premium race glove and you have generation next racewear built to withstand the extreme conditions created by the modern dirt bike for more information visit flyracing.com it's much more than a piston company wiseco now offers a full line of quality performance products including forged pistons precision forged clutch baskets and hubs crankshafts camshafts forged connecting rods and valves at wiseco we offer accessories for just about any motorcycle atv snowmobile personal watercraft outboard marine engine or automobile on the market today after 70 years in the business wiseco has established a great reputation as a brand that can be trusted to deliver high quality performance products for power sports enthusiasts and professionals wiseco 
America's Motor Racing Talk Show, Pit Pass Motor Racing Weekly, comes your way each Sunday morning from 8 to 10, right here on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. This is 1460 KXNO. If you're passionate about riding motorcycles, both off-road and on, check out the full line of Yamaha Dual Sports at Hicklin Power Sports. The Yamaha TW200 features Yamaha's famous reliability, electric start, an ultra-low seat, and comfortable fat tires, making it one of the industry's simplest-to-ride motorcycles. The Yamaha XT250 offers the same ultra-dependable, user-friendly performance, but in a more versatile, powerful, and lighter weight package. And for riders who like to take their fun off-road more than on, there's the high-performance, enduro-derived Yamaha WR250R, featuring long-travel suspension and advanced high-end design. Whatever your budget or riding style. Yamaha has a dual sport model that's right for you. For more, visit YamahaMotorsports.com today. Then visit Hicklin Power Sports and Grimes to see the new 2017 models from Yamaha. The first name in dual sports. Dress properly for your ride with a helmet, eye protection, long sleeves, long pants, gloves, and boots. Do not drink and ride. It's illegal and dangerous. Time out. Drink Swell Vodka, proudly and carefully distilled and filtered in Iowa. Find Swell Vodka in fine stores, restaurants, and bars near you. Like Swell on Facebook. Hey, it's Colin Edwards. You're listening to Pit Pass Radio. All right, uh, we've had a fun hour. We've had Larry Pegram and Bobby Fong. We just finished up with him. Larry Pegram won his semi at Williams Grove Half Miles in Mechanicsburg, PA, and that was quite a race. Yes, indeed it was. In AFT, in the Twins class, we had Briar Bauman, uh, Brandon Price, followed by Davis Fisher. Um, coming down to the end of the season here, we got two more races, and uh, Bauman's doing everything he can to unseat Mr. Meese, who didn't come in but fourth place in the final there. And then in the singles class, we had Dalton Gautier, Morgan Mishler, and Oliver Brindley. That's uh, also that season, this the season of AFT has been amazing. It will be awesome to see exactly what happens at the end of this season regarding uh, this this Twins class. I mean, I think uh, Briar's got a 25, 35 point lead right now. It's his re- it's his t- it's title his to lose with two to go. Yeah, for I mean, sure. I mean, Briar's been been solid all year been long. Solid. Mees has got uh, you know one more win actually. Briar yep. has five, but Briar has six. But yes, uh, yes, yes, he hasn't he hasn't had as many completely uh, bad weekends. But it's going to come down to the wire. And then we've got, of course, MotoGP coming up in Mizano, Italy, this weekend. They've been off for a minute. Can't wait to see again. Uh, Marquez has got a pretty dominant uh, lead. But anything can happen. I mean, there's there's a lot of racing left in that series. So, you know, an injury, an unfortunate fall, not that anyone wishes any such thing, but it is it is going really, really fast in that series. It would have to be something, a really, really catastrophic, unforeseen circumstance would, for Marquez and, to and not Marquez win And Marquez is absolutely, and he's the guy who, he crashes routinely, and it becomes YouTube sensations because, oh, my God, he crashed, but somehow he forgot that he was crashing and he never actually falls. <laughs> and he loses the front end for a corner and a half, and the guy continues to ride out of it. He his scrapes his are, helmet and then lands. Yeah. and uh, he, he Never goes, goes down. He low sides it so far 
to where he he's, bounces. He's, everything is scraping the the, the fairing, everything, <laughs> yeah. the bar end, everything is scratched up, including his helmet. And then he somehow it. puts it back on the wheels and doesn't lose Rides a position. It right back to the pits. Yeah, no problem, guys. Yep. Don't even have to repaint it. It's yeah, his abilities are insane, and I look forward to watching the race in there. I mean. There have been other guys putting it in there. So it's Rins. Uh, you know, Lorenzo is, gosh, he had just had an unfortunate season as Marquez's teammate. But uh, Vinales has had moments of brilliance. There, there's a number of guys in MotoGP that this season isn't over, and a bunch of them are. This is the time of year. It seems like when the, the guys who are mid-pack or first group, they tend to fight a little harder because they're fighting for their jobs for next Absolutely. year. Absolutely. It's they, contract year, so they're, they're they, for a lot of them. For a lot of those guys, you know, they, they're going to put a lot more on the line than they have maybe to this point in the season. Looking forward to that race in Italy. Me too. So uh, I've got an event coming up. It's it's at Riverside Raceway in Winterset, Iowa, and it's just south of Winterset. It's September 21 and 22. Something I did over in Davenport, uh, Ryan, who is our, our friend that uh, rides pole start mini bikes. He's a has goofy a whole kid. bunch of them, whole slew of them, and a bunch of uh, friends that ride them. So we're having a pole start mini bike race on Saturday night. I got the lights. We're gonna put up on my. I have a pit bike track with an over under, and it's legit. So we have we have a full weekend of racing on the on the big track. We have a stadium track and a pit bike track. So you can find out information riversideraceway.net. And I enjoy. Or I I uh, would enjoy it if every one of our listeners is within. Uh, a day's drive would come and uh, make sure you come see me. We have a lot of people. Bet that you have some fireworks too, won't you? There's a good chance we're going to have some fireworks. Yeah. So, all right. I want to thank all our guests, including Larry Pegram, Bobby Fong. Good conversation with those guys. Nick Faringer was on, Mike Witowski, and Brad Jeraminski. If you missed any part of it, you can go back and listen at pitpassmoto.com. We've got an app you can download and. Uh, iHeartMedia, iHeartRadio has us, as well as our flagship station, 1460 KXNO, on Sunday mornings. I'm Tony Wank for PJ Dorn, The Daily Ons. Thanks May for listening. I have your attention, please? Excuse me. <clears throat> Are you listening to me? Thank you. The preceding was an exclusive presentation of Pit Pass Motor Racing Weekly, a division of Pit Pass Radio LC. Any use of this copyrighted material without the express written consent of Pit Pass Radio LC is strictly prohibited. Sports stars. They're like superheroes. But they're actually real. Which is why we've made a podcast about them. You see... They've all got a story. But too many of these stories were cut short. Kobe Bryant. Payne Stewart. Flo jo, Phil Hughes. Justin Fashionew. We're writing episodes about all of them. And sadly, many more. Death of a Sports Star. A new series from Crowd Network.